Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds another exciting episode for you today and i'm very very excited as i'm always excited every week by the sounds of it with my guests but even more excited this week as it's a long-term friend i'm going to be talking to and a fantastic professional in the entertainment industry really excited to hear all their stories so i'm going to welcome to the show uh musical theater performer gareth jacob Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, just living my life here in uh, sunny Melbourne, Australia. It is sunny there right now. It's summer, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if anyone knows Melbourne, Australia, we have about four days of summer and then the rest (laughs) is all just who knows what you're going to get. Four four seasons in one day. So. I do remember that when I was there. Or actually, I just remember like melting. I think I was there when it was the horrendous yeah. summer fires. I'm thinking like, why am I here? We have we have the uh, the complete opposite spectrums. We have the insanely hot days where metal melts or the <laughs> it's minus four degrees in what should be summer. So we just, you never know what you're going to get in a day. Much right. like my personality. <laughs> great. Well, this will, make, <laughs> this will make for a great interview, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> As I mentioned, uh, we are very, very good friends, and I'm super excited that you, you're joining me. Um, so really going to dive right in there. Um, I met, obviously introduced you. We'll start at the beginning. Just you know, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, what you're doing right now within, within the arts and profession. I know COVID-wise, but think before that, where you've led up to your career um, you know, and what sector that falls in. Yeah, um, so I... I mean, I've kind of always done musical theatre. Um, I I really didn't know that this is what I wanted to do. I always enjoyed the theatre, but I never sort of was thought that this could ever be a real life job. You know, it just all seemed a little too too good to be true. And then, um, so I, I sort of did a few amateur kind of things when I was at high school. Nothing too, you know exciting to talk about it was all just very in school kind of stuff and then um sort of realized that I enjoyed it quite a lot and thought well this would be a a good way to to sort of get myself you know into a, a career path that I would enjoy um but I also thought that this was going to be take a secondary thing to becoming a school teacher so back in the day when I was you know looking at um, studying after uh, high school, I I thought I'd do a, a drama course and then add on like an education diploma afterwards, and right. and maybe 
maybe get into becoming like a specialised drama teacher or like an arts kind of teacher. Um, and that then sort of, to be honest, never eventuated because I, you know, went got out of university and, and then sort of just kicked into working straight away. Um, I didn't expect there to be work straight away, but, I, you know, I've always kind of just gone where the work is. So I... What yeah. happened? I finished university and then I started doing cruise ships um, way back in when, you know, it was still a wooden tugboat, it feels now. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was that long ago. <laughs> tugboat, that's hilarious. Before, <laughs> before you go into your, your first jobs in the industry, so right now, uh, you know, you mentioned you are a musical theatre performer um, and we talk, mm-hmm. about, we talk about some of the shows that you've been in and, and your accomplishments. Um, before okay. we... Before we go into that, let's go back to, um, you know, you talking about your career and what you were thinking to do, but you did go and study. So let's talk about um, where you had your education and training. Talk to me um, about that, where you did it, um, what that entailed and how that set you up then to obviously move out of that and into the industry and start looking for work. Um, Yeah, so I did a uh, musical theatre, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theatre down in Ballarat, which is a country town in Victoria. Um, back in when I sort of left high school, there wasn't many theatre courses around. So there was sort of WAPA, which is the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, which is very well known. A lot of, you know, amazing music theatre people come out of that. And then BAPA, which is what we were known as, which is the Ballarat Academy of Performing Arts. Um, so hang on, sorry. They... Whopper and Bappa. Whopper and Bappa. Sounds it's... like something, you know, Burger King would put together. Pretty <laughs> much. That's exactly what it was. We were like the Whopper Junior, basically. Amazing. <laughs> um, so we, um, so I sort of, that was sort of the only other musical theatre course there was. There was obviously NIDA and a few of the other um, more renowned, you know, where a lot of very famous people have come from. Um, but BAPA was sort of the, the, the next best thing um, yeah. for me. Um, so I moved down to Ballarat straight after high school and did a three-year, uh, you know, um, bachelor course. And it, would, it involved, you know, voice lessons. There was all range of dance classes and... I mean, you'd be the first to admit that I'm not a dancer. Like, I've never really been known as a dancer. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, could, I can sing anyone under a table. but For, for, everyone, to... for, for everyone listening, he says that, but he's, he's pretty good. He can do some no. things that I cannot even dream of. <laughs> uh, um, well, thanks. I'll take that. Um, and then, yeah, so there was quite a few, you know, classes that was involved. It was very much you, you, your, what you'd assume a, a drama sort of acting musical theatre course to be. There was a lot of theatre studies, musical theory, sort of that sort of thing. Um, it was also where I realised that I think that was what I really wanted to do in life. It, it was good because I got to, you know, I moved away from home and I became my own person and and really sort of found my footing and mm-hmm. I think the confidence that I needed in order to to go out and do things on my own. I don't think if I was in Melbourne itself, like Ballarat for people that don't know is sort of like an hour an hour's drive out of Melbourne. So it's a country town. 
um, but it's still quite a quite a large sort of you know country city. Um, but then it's even further away from where my parents live, which is so it was sort of like an hour and a half, two hours drive, um, and that doesn't sound a lot to you know people in certain places, but in Australia, that's literally driving you know out into the the real sticks of it all yeah um so and- yeah I, I i lived out there for three years and and really sort of worked out how to how to live and how to be a person which yeah. i think was was the most valuable thing um apart from like all the study and and like you know honing my skills i think learning how to become self-sufficient was what I needed to do. And, and how and how old, how old is that? Were you at the education system for doing, um, doing that in Australia? So what I left it straight after high school. So I was 18. 18. I, think I, I, I don't even think I was 18 yet. I think I turned 18 the week before going to university. So I was, I was, I'm a January baby. I mean, you'd know that. Yes. On the other end, being birthdays, the next days apart from each other. Um, but yeah, so I, um, my birthday sort of the start of the year, which, you know, that, that always made me the younger of the, the sort of class. Um, so yeah, it was, it, I was 18. I think I turned 18, 18. two weeks before go, moving to Ballarat and then having three years up there, I was just 20, I was almost 21 by the time I left. Um, or yeah, not even, I think I was still 20, um, still a baby, sort of gra- still very, very new <laughs> and very fresh to life. I hadn't, yeah. you know, just, I hadn't really worked out who I was yet. Um, but in the same time sort of worked out that I could do things on my own and I could be out there and sort of strive for the, the things that I wanted. I think if I was still living at home with mum and dad or, or being, in Melbourne itself where I had everyone around me that I sort of grew up with, I don't think I would have had the, the drive to go and do things that I do. Right. Now. You can kind of so become I'm, a bit, bit complacent and just kind of do yeah. the, do the things that are, are normal and comfortable for you. So Absolutely. you, you, you studied, you, you finished a course and then what was the plan? Like, did you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Or it was like, I actually have no idea. Um, talk us through the next process of, of leaving your studies. Well, the, the plan was, I mean, the plan always is when you, you know, you get out of drama school and you're like, I'm going to be the biggest star that they've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to, my name's going to be up in those lights and everyone's going to come and see me do my stuff on stage. But it, it was, a, I mean, it became quite a quick, not quick, but very noticeable reality that sort of was there. You know, I mean, I was lucky enough to sort of step out of university and go and work straight on cruise ships. Um, but before that, um, like I, I'd been auditioning, to, I mean, it was it was sort of frowned upon that you'd audition for things. But at the same time that I was sort of graduating from third year, Lion King was just coming out to Australia for the very first time. So this was a, you know, it was a, it was a show that, back in you know and I mean even still today you you know not sort of trying to get the 
too political or tr- too sort of out there. It's it's the first show that you saw a full cast of ethnic yeah. diverse people on stage. Um, so that this was sort of if there was any show that I could go and audition for, like you know, I I mean I talk to to people nowadays, and you know that everyone's sort of which is, it's great, there's this whole movement going on about sort of people being noticed for their ethnicity and all those sort of things. Um, Back in the day, there were plenty of briefs that would say, you know, Caucasians only or things like that that would come out. So it would, you being a person of colour, you kind of sort of looked at it and you're like, all right, well, that's not for me. But then Lion King sort of was coming and I like was auditioning and I, I was getting sort of great feedback from it and everyone was that, but then it sort of, you know, they, they kind of said, Oh, you're, you're a bit too fresh and a bit too new, like to sort of to take the chance on you. And at the time, I mean, you know, granted I was only, you know, 19, 20 when I was auditioning, no one's, no one's going to want to um, really take that time to sort of do that. Right. And I mean, you, you talked there about ethnicity and shows and, you know, how that's you know changed within the last 20, 20 odd years. And I, I spoke careful, with some... Careful, careful. <laughs> All right, 10 20. years. <laughs> oh, maybe, <laughs> two years, in the last two years. Yeah, um, in the last two years. I'm 21. Yeah. I, <laughs> I spoke uh, to somebody else uh, this week about that and uh, they were had the same background as you and now, you know, celebrating how much that's changed and the diversity that we have within theatre and shows and um, opportunities. Uh, you know, we've come a long way and I think we still have mm. room to go and still work to do. But um, how do you see the difference in that now? What's your experience, you know, facing that two years ago to, to now? <laughs> Um, yeah, look, I mean, there is, there is absolutely a a massive shift that's happened. Um, I never really looked, I mean, apart from seeing the sort of, you know, when the, the audition briefs would come out and they would say, you know, they'd have a strict kind of look that they were going for. I wouldn't ever, it never really, I don't know. I, I just never really was that person that was always like, oh, I'm the only person of colour in this room or I'm the only, you know, I'm the only, you know, black person in this dance class. Like, I I just, I've never thought of it like that. It was just just never in my sort of, sort of in the front of my vision, if that makes sense. Like, I just believe that I was talented enough to sort of get out there and and be in that position. Yeah. Um, It was only when... I mean, it was only when I sort of went to New York for the first time. And I think, I mean, I think part of it was that I just never saw anyone like me in a leading role. Well, there's no one like you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, my darling. That was the right thing to say. Um, There, I just think there because I just never saw anyone in that, in the sort of front, the sort of, you know, spotlight i guess you'd say then i just never thought of it as anything different right which is really strange to sort of stay to say now but then back in the day it was just kind of what i expected to see like and then i guess you know going the first time i really noticed it and i think the first was when i went to new york and i sort of went and saw some different shows and things um with this which was 
years after starting in, you know, the industry and trying to sort of break out and get in there, um, you saw the diverseness that was on stage. And that's when it sort of hit me and I was like, oh, okay, so the Phantom doesn't have to be white all the time or, you know, like right. it was it was this sort of light bulb moment for me that I was just like, right, okay. And it's it's a, I think it's, you know, it's a great thing that there are people sort of standing up and saying, yeah, now's the time to to have more diversity out there and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I kind of, a lot of people don't like it, but I play devil's advocate in the fact that like, you know, looking at from the other side of like a being on the producer's end of things, they kind of go, oh, well, a lot of audiences just aren't used to seeing that yet. Like it's going to take time kind of thing. And I kind of understand where that's coming from, but then I also go, no, it's time that we change things quickly. Like let's right. get this. And do do you feel yeah. like, um, you know, Australia compared to say the States or the UK, that the industry that we've got over here, is it different? Or is it, do you see the comparisons and differences between those industries in different countries? Oh, hundred percent. I think that I, I, I think, I mean, I'm only speaking from what I've seen, but, you know, going and seeing shows, I mean, I'm, I've been lucky enough to go and see shows on the West End and Broadway quite a few times and, um, and seeing the diversity that they ha- that you guys have over in the UK and also that, you know, that Broadway has, um, we don't have that over here. Like even, even still today, it's very like, they are very specific about what they want to see in the front. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense, like, yeah. um, you know, they wouldn't ever, they wouldn't ever, I mean, I'm not saying they would never, but they, it's just not heard of that. You'd see the likes of, you know, like a Norm Lewis type character type guy playing, a leading role out here at the moment, which, you know, there is a change and there's such a, a massive, you know, wave of, of new talent that's coming through that are trying to change this, which I think is an amazing thing. Um, yeah. I think I've just sort of been a very complacent with it all. Um, but yeah. we don't, in Australia, we just don't really have... I think we, I mean, we have the diversity and we have the ethnicities and everything that could play all these things out here. But I think it it, it, start, it should start from the top to trickle down. And I just think it hasn't gotten there yet to start the, the waterfall right. of change, if that makes sense. Well, let's hope that does change. Uh, and we see that, you know, that happens faster than 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 it should, you know, uh, the rest yeah. of the world, you know, like you say, uh, Broadway and West End, we're, we're really celebrating and utilizing everybody, you know, it should be a, a fair playing field for everybody. And that's what, yeah. you know, we want to see. Um, great. That's a, given us a bit of insight in that. And it's different how different countries and different, you know, backgrounds, religions, or wherever you are from, it, it can vary uh, and opportunities can, can differ. So going back now, you, you've talked about that, and then you were lucky enough to, you know, get your, you know, first kind of professional gig. And you talked about cruise lines. Talk to us mm-hmm. about that experience. And, you know, um, did you have an agent when you came out of, uh, of, of university or did you find that yourself? The work, How did that happen? Yeah, no, I, I only got myself an agent. It would be probably about 
well, six or seven years ago now. Like the first 15 years of being out there. Um, uh, it's true. I'm, I'm that old. Um, I may not have, I have the dulcet tones of an 18 year old, but uh, um, the, yeah, so I kind of just kept finding my own work. And I think for me though, it was also that I stayed on cruise ships for, for quite a while. Like I did eight, eight years of cruise ships with one company and then I jumped and did a year and a half on another cruise line, you know, so the what first was the, half of What was the, the appeal for that? How, like you stayed obviously quite a long time. What, what was the, what did the job entail? How did uh, you utilize your, you know, experience and skills with, within that role? Um, I think for me, it was, you know, being my first time away from, um, and also you know, stepping straight out of uni, I thought that I I had all the all the tricks that I could to get out there and, and work. And sort of the first contract or so, I realised that I was very much a green and there were so many people that had much more to, to offer than I, you know, sort of had and I had to really work at it to to get myself to their level. Um I I think the the thing that appealed for me for cruise ships was that I got to the the thing with cruise line shows uh, back in the day was that there was such a um, it was a such a plethora of different uh, material that you got to sing and and perform in the different shows that you do so for the first sort of uh, three or four contracts that I did I was doing it for what I knew to be the good shows that were in the, um, in the cruise lines. Um, and then yeah. the, the, the older I got, the more I was like, oh, well, I've done, you know, two and a bit years in the Caribbean. What other ships are out there that I can go and, you know, start travelling the world? And that, I think, was the, the, the appeal that kind of kept me in cruise ships was that I, I, moved, I was able to see so much of the world that I just would never have gone and travelled to by myself, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. going to, um, you know, some of the Baltic countries and, and seeing Scandinavia and things like that, you know, it's always a pipe dream that you go, oh, I'd love to go to Norway. Oh, I'd love to go here and there. And, and then you, you kind of just are there every, every couple of days because of how your ship, uh, the itinerary your ship does. So it really became more about the travel aspect towards the end than it did the actual shows. Not saying that I didn't enjoy the job. I absolutely loved everything I did and it kept me, you know, very, very focused and very agile in in the things that I did because, I mean, people sort of, you know, there's this stigma about cruise lines and, and cruise performers that that has, when you, you know, when you first get in there, people are like, oh, you're, you're from a cruise ship. Yep, all right, cool. And there's like this, right. you know, it's almost like a very negative connotation to it. But the the work on there is hard and it's technical and and a lot of people sort of once they see what you do out there they're like oh that that i i don't think i could do that right. you know like so and do you do you think that's that's obviously i i mean i'm from that industry i think that that's that has changed it's still changing that opinion i mean now you've got you know companies that are doing uh actual book musical theater mm-hmm. shows you know you've had norwegian and royal um and 
you know, that's been a great exposure. I think I remember actually uh, Royal doing a live broadcast to the Tonys of a uh, section of Hairspray. Yes. I think that really, you know, opened again people's eyes to the great work that's available um, to all, all uh, performers, you know, Broadway, West End. Um, you know, it's a great actual contract. Like you say, you get to travel the world. You're still crafting and doing a great profession that you love uh, you know it's well paid and you're getting that experience as well and now you're uh, you know getting to do uh, those shows and travel as well is a great appeal i think and i think now after this pandemic we will probably see a big change in the of who's working on there and open up hopefully open up eyes to the opportunities that are yeah, available yeah i i actually have seen it in just the people that go to work on on cruise lines and things now you know like Back in the day, it was it was sort of a whisper in a corner, like "Oh, I work on cruise ships," you know that kind of thing. But people right. nowadays, they're they're like, you know, here I am on my third cruise line. I'm so excited, you know, like it's it's such a it and and I think that is because of of how the the um just the the talent has raised as well like i look at some of the things yeah. that they do on ships now and i go oh i don't think i could do that anymore i think these old bones wouldn't be able to carry me through doing 50 <laughs> minutes of that right. again you know like um i mean and yeah it's very demand very the, demanding and like i say they they keep evolving as well right yeah. the shows the production uh, you know the requirements for a performer now on board is a lot more than what it used to be uh, years yeah, ago absolutely i think you know even just seeing you know, I've been able to see some of the videos of of the um, the, the book musicals that are on there. They're actually full scale musicals. Like they're not just a, you know, here's our review show of the musical of blah. No, it's actually like, and the people that are in the musical are people that have done it either on the West End or they've got the theatre credit behind them to be in that, um, you know, in that show. They've they've sort of moved with the show, which is so amazing to see you know it just it you yeah. know it, it it just once again brings that echelon of people that you expect to see to a greater level again and it, it's 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 actually really exciting that that sort of you know i mean with the the sort of world the way it is at the moment this might be the way to to keep theater alive for the future you know is that yeah. you know theater on ships might be the way to go because you can sort of you know, you can have everything you need in that one sort of space um, without sort of worrying about an entire city closing down, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. And you, you mentioned there, you know, yes, there's Broadway stars and West End stars doing, but actually these companies are, are giving great opportunities to somebody maybe who doesn't have a credit. They can get a lead role in these book musicals on ships and they have that credit then and that experience. So I think it's, I think it's wonderful all round for either seasoned performers that do have credits, but also for people starting out or looking to get that experience, uh, these opportunities are available. Yeah, definitely. You. I mean, you, you see that, I mean, it's. I think I. I want to say that even like some of these things are noted noted on equity now as well, which is brilliant. You know, back in the day, you you had to really struggle to get your equity sort of notifications and things, but they look at these now as proper equity contracts. So that's a really great thing to see too. Yeah. You know, it just means that theatre itself is evolving to to 
the world that it is today and things like that too, which is so wonderful to see. And it just gives those new performers out there the ability to jump out there and actually just really try to strive to to hit the heights that they, they want to to get to, you know. It's um it doesn't mm-hmm. sort of just leave them in the in that in a pool of like them going, oh, I don't think I'm good enough to go to that audition. Like, it it'll give them the drive to sort of get and and really try to to be the best person they can be in life, which is such a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, for sure. Well, you we've talked about the the cruise part of your life, and you did that for for a long time. You then left that, uh, and then talk about your next step. What was the next job and your next experience? Um, what did I do next? Where am I in my life? Um, let me turn the page. Um, I <laughs> was, I came back to Melbourne for uh, a few years to to try and sort of really make it, you know, make it here on land. I suppose you can say. Um, just to, to sort of see what's out there. And there, there really wasn't anything at the time that I came back. Um, so then I sort of, so I'm very much in the mentality of the Mary Poppins kind of situation where you go, you know, wherever the wind takes me, I will go and work. Um, so then that sort of led me to, um, I didn't, yeah, I sort of, you know, had to get myself a real muggle job and and kind of, do some retail work and, you know, pay, pay the bills and that sort of thing. And then realized that wasn't for me. And, and then auditioned for theme parks, I think was next. Um, yes. And I think and that's that where, is we, where met. we meet. That's me. where that is where our yeah. story begins, even though our story did technically <laughs> begin a few years earlier where we crossed over and you took over literally the same role that I was doing on one of the ships. Yeah. The day that I got off very hungover and very emotional, you were getting on (laughs) probably very hungover and very emotional. So I feel like we were just with (laughs) petrified. (laughs) We were just really like our our paths were predestined to meet, regardless like of where they were, you know, I mean, if, if it wasn't that our birthdays were literally the same, basically the same day, it, it means that we had to, yeah. have the same circle of friends that we were going to meet in. Um, so, yeah, I moved to, I moved to Singapore. Um, yes. I am one of those people that also don't just do like a contract. I will, I'm a, I, be, I become a lifer very quickly and I don't realize that I do it, but Singapore was the next thing I did. Universal studios out there. That's where we met. Um, I then, yeah, we we met. I remember meeting you. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the the dance, whatever, wherever the uh, audition was. But I remember being there, and we uh, were all very polite at auditions yeah. <laughs> when you meet everyone and you chat and this and this. And I just remember meeting you, and we were just laughing lots already. Well, um, and then I didn't really hear hear anything, and uh, I remember getting the role, and we kind of kept in touch. Um, and then you finally told me you got the role, and I was super excited. And then, yeah, yeah, I wasn't. We, we moved off. We went. I to wasn't Singapore. lucky enough to be first round offer though, Dial. I was. Uh, I was the. Uh, <laughs> they said they always say. The oh, best is that what last. it is? I think they were just like, oh no, yes. we really need someone else. Shit, get him over here quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, it was definitely that you. Um, I, I, re- I actually do remember that day too because we were just in the the older the older two of the of the group just like Stadler and Walt 
Oh, we were older. I mean, if you look at, if you remember back to who we, we were sitting in the room with, there were like 18 year olds, yeah. like with their legs behind their ears. And we're sitting there in the corner, just trying to touch our toes. <laughs> like, you know, we're like, thrill me half. Like, let's, let's just warm up the vocals because that's but, all we've got to show at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and we, well, we, we must have done all right because we got the job. So we moved, we did get, and we moved to Singapore and we were in uh, Monster Rock. We were. We were monster at Universal Studios. Which, uh, talk about the ca- the character that you. So played there. I mean, the the basic storyline of the show was that uh, this computer nerd brings back famous Universal uh, monsters to create this one epic rock show. Um, you know, very theme park, very you know. But the show itself was a knackering almost half an hour of of working it, it was, was so hard I, even yeah. just after the first you know five minute opening number we'd all just look at each other going i, I just don't think we've got it in us today like it was a very high yeah. energy very uh modern take on it, it it involved a lot of um a lot of popular music um you know very sort of music of the of the day and things like that i played the phantom of the opera who was a very camp, over-the-top, um, you know, dramatic kind of role. It was such a stretch for me. Um, <laughs> so I really had to yeah. dig deep to find the character in that one. Um, and I just remember it being, like you say, at the time was, you know, it, it was very modern and the songs were of now. And I think I was rapping and singing Flow Rider yeah. dressed as, you know, Frankenstein, whacking out hip hop, you know, thinking, you know, what I mean, is happening? Like it was literally press play <laughs> for 20 minutes and it was non I feel like they pushed, it was, all, um, it was in the old days when you used to push play and fast forward to get like, to just go yeah. forward. That's what it felt like. You, once you jumped out at the start of the show, there wasn't pushing pause. Like you were on stage for that entire time. Like there wasn't even a, a moment of, of, of downtime, you know, normally in shows you can sort of go off stage, have a sip of water, get back out there and like have a breath. No, it was, as soon as you got out there, it was 25 to half an hour of just nonstop dancing and singing. And you weren't just, you know, fodder in the background. You were, out front there was only eight of us on stage so no one could really hide you know it was it was yeah. i think i was the only one that got to go off stage for i mean break, but, which I was but even that little about. break was literally maybe if it was 15 seconds it was a lot like it you know it was yeah let's not let's not make it sound it was, like it was, you were you know the no it was <laughs> it was long enough for me to sort my uh Black Bob wig out. <laughs> Yvel McKelly. Yvel McKelly. Frankenstein yeah, wig. Yes. Amazing. I used to love flicking that around. <laughs> but for anyone listening, you know, uh, theme park wise, I've got some other guests that have worked in that sector too. But yeah, you can do, you know, you know, four or five shows a day um, with also some meet and greets. So it's a long mm. day that you're there. Um, and the contract itself was 13 months to begin with. As a performer, Gareth, how do you you know, keep yourself motivated for each performance that day. Like you say, it is hard, um, but you're getting guests for the first time every time. So how do you, and what's your advice to people to keep that fresh and make sure that you're always giving the same performance? Um, I think for me, like I, I've got this really strong belief that like before every performance, I still get nervous after how many years of being out there and actually doing things. I still, every time, 
get myself into such a state that, you know, that people go, is this your first time you've ever been on stage? You know, it's just the way it is. But I also believe that that's because I care a lot about what I'm doing. Like I think yeah. if you if you lose the love for what you're doing, it becomes a job in a way. Like, And yeah. I think in the industry that we're in, you really can't afford for it to become a job it has to be something that you that you really care about because you know there are people that i mean there's how many people that come and see the show every show and they pay as you know heaps of money to come and see you perform they don't know who you are but you should be able to look at each and every one of them and and make them smile or or give them or like you know theater is that thing that you you know, you you make people forget about their worries for however long they're sitting in that seat. You know, it's something that you should, that, like that's the one thing I always go in. I'm like, they could be having the worst day of their life, but when they walk in and sit down in that theatre, you want them to be able to just turn around and like to sit there, forget about everything that they've done outside and just switch off and enjoy life for however long you're out yeah. there. And I think that's something that I just continually take into things. I think if you if you care enough about the work that you're doing, it never feels like you really have to work at it, if that makes any sense at all. Um, and that enables you to, to give, you know, a same or if not better performance or yeah. learn in different or change each And I think also when you're in an ensemble kind of show or a cast, you you never want to be the weakest link or the lazy link in the chain. Um, we... Oh, hello. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah. In the, in the, um, sorry. Um, yeah. So you never want to be the, the, the weakest link in the chain. You want to, um, you want to be able to sort of, to motivate everyone else that's out there to do what they can do um, to the best of their ability. And if they see that you don't want that, then yeah. they're never going to want to be as you're never going to make the show as good as it possibly could be. Um, yeah, I think we really did that together. Yeah, we, in I mean, cast. everyone definitely drove um, each other to and motivated each other to be the best performer they could be you know we there were many a days when you go in there and and backstage you would really pro you you wouldn't want to be there um because you were just exhausted like your body would ache everything would you know be cracking and spraining and whatever but the moment you put the costume on and you sort of got together and you really connected as a group you definitely became a a unit that to promote the joy and the excitement that you felt when the lights hit you yeah and that was the great thing about it was that we were all from different parts of the world but we suddenly became great friends and now you know look at that we're best friends and we have best friends from from that contract um and like i say yeah we really spurred each other on and we were there for each other in the bad times and the good times as well as having this great job and experience so highly recommend it if anyone is listening that wants to get theme parks i I would say would be like i mean and also you know doing the cruise ship stuff as well but you like you said you get to meet so many different cultures and so many different people from different parts of the world that I've now got friends all over the world that I can, you know, yourself included, that I know I can just reach out to and talk about life and 
and know that they've got a different perspective on yeah. what I'm seeing in life, which is so wonderful. You know, it's it's been an amazing sort of journey yeah. up until then. I mean, and that's and that was only that's yeah, not even absolutely. We've still got so much to go. <laughs> Right. Well, I kind of want to fast forward, you know, move away from you had a couple of years in that in Singapore. Um, you were working there at Universal Studios. Uh, you then did leave there. And I kind of want to talk about that. And then this uh, the last kind of exciting part. That's yeah. Been so, in the last right. few years. so I left. I left Singapore because I thought to myself, you know what? I need to get back to Australia. I need to really stick at it and become stubborn and really just try and get into music theatre in Australia because I really haven't done it yet. And that is something that has always been on the list of things to do. Like I want to be in a show on stage so that my family can drive from their house and come and see me in a show. Like that is all I've wanted to do. So I got home. I did some um, smaller theatre things. And then um, when I was doing, I did... In the Heights, I did Dreamgirls for a small for, for a small theatre company. And then doing Dreamgirls one night, I got a, contacted by my agent who said that there was a um, one of the producers from Disney Theatrical Australia was in the audience and she'd like me to come in for an audition. Um, they were looking for a cover, wow. uh, uh, someone to take over for the last leg of the Lion King tour. Um, I went in, auditioned, didn't get it. But after the audition, she sort of pulled me aside and she said, you know, you didn't get this. It just, it came down to, um, you know, height and if you fit into the costumes, that's basically because there is only one leg left in the tour. It's only four months. We just needed someone to just basically slot into a position. And I was like, oh, that's fine. No worries. She's like, but please don't give say that think this is a a bad thing we want you to come back and audition for the next show we can't tell you what it is but you are perfect for um one of the roles that's in there and you and this and this is where we sort of saw you going anyway and i was like okay how how did that feel then you obviously you were doing a show in melbourne and then you get this call that you know someone from disney is a producer is senior and wants to to see you is that kind of all the all of that training or that hardware all of the stuff you've kind of been working towards suddenly wow it could be happening how did you feel part of me didn't believe it to begin with like I just kind of was like oh it's just it's another you know it's going to be another thing that I work myself up to getting and then I don't get it and you know so don't put yourself in too much of a of an excited position because there has been, you know, for every yes I got, there were five or six no's that came before that. Do you kind of have to tell yourself then as a performer, like, when you get that close or you have some excitement, like, don't get um, too excited. Like, you kind of have to just stay level, level-headed level and see, but secretly there's this Yeah, burning, well, like, I mean, yes, please, there, is, please. there is a complete inner turmoil that your body goes through when you, you know, and your psyche goes through when you're auditioning for shows and all the rest of it. But, um you know, I've sort of learnt that, you know, for every, like I said, for every show I got, there were so many no's before that. and um, But there was still that part, that drive yeah. in me that was like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to get out there and I'm going to, you know. And for every no that I got, I was like, you know what, I put it down to experience and I move forward and I take what I didn't do right in that last audition and try and 
perfected in the next one. Like it was always a learning curve. Um, and she, you know, and, and, um, you know, the, the lady I spoke to was like, you know, you're, you're exactly what we need for the next one. I thought to myself, she's just basically, you know, smoking mirrors. She's just trying to sort of cushion me for the, the fall that was, that obviously had just happened. Um, but then, you know, I, about two or three months later, I got a call from my agent saying, um, that I've got a call for, I've got a audition call for Aladdin, the musical, which was coming to Australia to do massive tour. Um, it was going to do every city. And then there was a possibility that it was going to tour New Zealand and also possibly Asia. Um, so that was, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And they're like, we, they wanted to see me for the genie. Um, and they wanted to see me for a few of the other roles as well, just to see what I could do. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. So, you know, learned all the material, got in there. Um, there were five or six auditions where it was, you know, I auditioned for different characters. I had to do them all at once at one point, you know, there was just, it was quite a, a rigorous, um, audition process and got flown to Sydney for the final auditions. How does what? How does one prepare, say, for you know such an iconic role? Yeah, if someone said to me, "You're going to audition for the genie," you know, such an iconic uh, role that was originated by such a great man as well. How how do you prepare for that role? Like, do you what did I you do? How do you prepare for that audition? Do not um, listen to or watch or you know, sort of. I don't take anything from the from what is already out there because for me, I feel like I need to show my personality through, um, through in the audition, not what I think they're going to want to see from me. Um, so when, you know, when this all came out, everyone's like, Oh, you should, you know, you should look at Robin Williams. You should do this. You should do that. I was like, yeah, but I feel like that they know, like if I don't do it justice, then I'm going to be the guy that came in trying to be Robin Williams, if that, you know. So I have always, yeah. every time I go into an audition, it, it's more just they, they, they want to see you for you and they want to see what you bring to the table, not what you can emulate from someone else. Um, so I went in yeah. there and I, you know, I, I basically auditioned. I did everything that they wanted. They, you know, they asked for different versions of it I gave them what I thought they were asking for you know it's it's in auditions it's very much a think on your feet kind of thing you know you've got to be able to to adjust you've got to be that chameleon that they I think they're looking for because the thing with live theater you you need to be able to adjust to if a performance like if the audience no audiences are ever going to be the same so if you are in a character like the genie um, you know, there's a lot of audience participation and there's a lot of things. So some things that land on a Thursday night may not land on a Friday night. You know, they just you just never know what's going to happen. So you've right. got to be able to adjust in your own head how to to capture the audience and keep them entertained for, you know, three hours of a night. And, all, and at the auditions or all at many auditions, most, you know, they want to be able to see how you're going to work with them as well. You know, you have to be adaptable to workshop and change and be able to, you know, take the direction. Exactly, yeah. That's what so, they're looking for And that's, well. I think, and that was a, the biggest thing for 
I think especially that role was that, you know, they they just wanted to see how I can adapt to change. And obviously I did something right because then I got the job. Um, but they... they um, Amazing. When I finished the auditions, <laughs> I went downstairs and I was packing all my stuff up and, you know, the, the same producer that came up to me, what now is almost 12 months prior, um, was like, look, this is the way, this is sort of the situation we're in. Um, would you be willing to shave your head and grow a beard? And I was like, I've never grown a beard before in my life, but I will try. Um, and if I get a contract, <laughs> I will happily shave my head every day for the next however long this contract goes for. Um, and then that, you know, and then yeah. I ended up getting the swing. So the, the, um, it was an offstage cover role. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have an onstage plot, so I wasn't an ensemble member who covered a lead. I was just in the wings waiting, just in case someone, you know, fell over or I threw some marbles on the stairs or things like that. You know, did my my best impression of uh, showgirls <laughs> to get them out of the way. Um, you know, I, so I was always having to be ready. Um, I ended up having to cover uh, the genie, one of Aladdin's uh, best friends, and also the Sultan. Um, so there was three lead roles that I had to sort of know at the drop of a hat and regardless of where we were in the show, I needed to know how to be able to just carry on with the show. So that kind of kept me busy for, you know, 18 months. Um, I mean, the contract for Aladdin ended up being four years long, I think it was. Like I said, I'm a lifer. I don't like to just do short contracts. Um, yeah. And then sort of 18 months into it, I then got offered the full-time genie role uh, where because they were doing a, a bit of a reshuffle around the world and the genie that was American that was playing it here in Australia was going back to do the Broadway um, run. So they asked if, they sort of asked if I'd like to become the genie full-time. I mean, that that is just, you know, insane. And what was your reaction? I mean, you must have just been so no, elated real. and excited like, I remember, I remember getting the phone call, like vividly remember getting this phone call. Um, and it, it was basically them saying, you know, look, um, this is the situation. We would love to offer you the role. You obviously can't tell anyone um, be before we sort of announce that this is a thing. Um, you know, we have spoken to your agent and your agent is in talks with us now to get new contracts and all the rest. And I was like, okay, great. Thanks. And then just kind of hung up the phone. Like, and then it took, like, this was a, like sort of early in the morning. And then I, about an hour later, it just all clicked in and I was like, hang on. So I called her back and I said, I'm not dreaming, right? We did just have this conversation. And she was like, yes, we did. And I was like, okay, cool. That's all I needed to know. And then I hung up the phone. <laughs> and then I was like, and now I can't <laughs> tell anyone. Like I was just standing here in my apartment alone going, I, I can't tell anyone this. Like the first person I wanted to ring was like my family. You know, it was basically the, I mean, yeah. it, you know, from when did I take over? 2017. So from 2000 and two to 2017 when I first you know this was the this is kind of what it all worked to you know um so 15 oh, years of, yeah. of, of really sort of getting out there and really working on what I could do to finally getting to where I wanted to be was just a an insane sort of thing and 
yeah. I had to keep it to myself for six weeks and my, you know, and talking, I mean, I, you'd know, oh. I talk to my family almost on a daily and I just had to make small talk. Like I had to be like, yep, the grass grew a little today or, you know, oh, <laughs> birds flew past. So like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, you seem very happy. You know, yes. Just breathing today. in the air. Lovely life. life. Like, you know, and then I, I finally, they like, you can tell them today. And then I, I went and had dinner with them and, and just said to them, you know, I'm, as of this date, I'm going to become the genie. And my and I remember how much hard work you put into that. Like, I remember even when you were swinging, you know, as you mentioned earlier about dancing, but you have to do this, like, phenomenal tap number and on I the show. And I, I remember you working so like, hard I, on that. I, I learned how to just, tap. I learned how to tap. Like, I'm he does tap. He tap, does. I learned amazing. how to tap just to get by. I didn't think <laughs> that I would then be front and centre with 20 ensemble members behind me and me on zero. <laughs> just making sure that those beats were right. You know, I just, yeah. it was just never a thought process in my head, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I worked so hard to, to make sure that I didn't, I just, part of me just didn't want to disappoint them in the end. Like, you know, they had, that entrusted me so much yeah. with the fact that I, they think that I could do this. I didn't want to be the one to turn around and then go after all these years of really working hard, I'm the one that ruined it for myself. So there was a bit of stubbornness. Well, you you were phenomenal. And I will be posting some uh, links for anyone listening <laughs> that will be able to see Gareth Tapp. Just look at the face, not at the face. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing it and just being like so proud. I think I shared it. I was like, look at this. It's just amazing. Like you say, all that hard work from, you know, when you start off in the industry, that's what everybody wants, right? They want the, the that, they want, that you know number one gig and to be acknowledged and get that is just fantastic so I mean the experiences that came with that you know you talked about telling your mom and I know that she would have been over the moon in your family like we all were and then it was kind of a whirlwind for you you know you got to like you say go to New York you got to work with um you know yeah. meet with Alan Menking yeah, tell us actually, about that it's funny how that, was that, that experience pretty much to the day that I met him I think I met him two days ago three years ago if that makes sense so it like all of these sort of memories are popping up on my phone about me yeah. I mean it was just a surreal experience you know he he just was like oh this is he kind of explained where the genie came from and how they sort of had uh, written him for the stage versus how they did for the screen and and you know he was like oh please welcome, come into my office. And I walked in there and there's like a case full of all of his trophies and his Grammy awards, his Tony awards, his, you know, everything he's got there. And I was like, this is not real. Like I'm, I'm standing in the person that has basically written the soundtrack to my childhood. I'm standing in his basic front room with his grand <laughs> yeah. piano. And then he's like, do you know this song? And he just starts playing away on his, and I'm like, yep. He's like, sing. And I was like, no, I don't can't do that now. What? Like it was just, it was such a bizarre <laughs> experience, but so amazing. Like, I mean, I, I'm just so blessed and thankful that I got to experience it all, you know, going to New York. And, and the, I think the thing that really like, and it was weird because it happened right at the end of the tour is that, you know, after doing, we did every city in Australia, 
basically uh, we went to New Zealand and the final stop on the tour was actually going back to Singapore, um, which I left Singapore five and a half years earlier um, to, you know, to sort of get into Australian music theatre. Like I really, like that was the whole reason why I was leaving. And then it was pretty much almost to the day, I mean, you know, full circle that the date that I left Singapore was the date that we opened Aladdin in Singapore. So, I mean, if you can't ask wow. for more serendipity, if you try, you know, it's, it's just, that's, it was completely full yeah, circle. And it that just, is full circle that right there. moment of sitting at Marina Bay Sands, you know, everyone sort of gearing up to do the show. And I just had to take a moment and just be like, what is my life right now? You know, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I got to do all of this and just got to be, you know, in, in this life that I'm being able to sort of lead. And that, you know, also, like you said, like, you know, like you asked before about what drives you to do these things. It's those moments, you know, it's those things that you really, you work so hard and to get to, and then you, you finally get to do them and you just go, this is why I do what I do and this is why I love what I do because you can't script these things, you know. These just happen and it's it's just such a wonderful experience to to be able to say that I've, I've done it and I've, I've been here. And- I was very, very jealous that I never got to see it live, uh, just had to see clips. And, but just being so proud and hearing the feedback from our friends and the world at your performance. You know, now when I think of the genie, uh, I think of you. It's, it's really weird. Like if someone was to mention land, I would think of you. I mean, a great experience to have and just, you know, were your treasure forever and who knows you may play that role again in the future i don't know um, i don't know if these old bones the world is your oyster i want to talk it's such a such a taxing role I was yeah like, oh, you'll be fine night i'd go i'd walk fine. out of there i'd look like i was 80 they'd be like who's that old man i mean there's the sultan and i was like no I was the genie for three hours, guys. I just can't walk it, anymore. Amazing experience. So, I mean, that that did end and that tour finished. Uh, and then you kind of back in, in the running for, you know, trying to find work again. Uh, my question kind of before we get to the end of this interview, I have a few more that I want to ask you is, how is it once you've been an iconic, you know, leading character in, in such a famous musical um, to then transition to try and find another leading role or work is it hard as as that character are you always known as that character or is it easier to get castings and people want to see you more now you've got um, this great credit on your uh, resume um, yeah it is it's i do i'm able to be i'm able to get into the room um to audition for things uh but then the expectation that i think i put on myself more so than what they're expecting to see is higher so the the audition itself may go fine but i think that i haven't done as well a job as i think i should have you know there's i think there's a there becomes this like almost self-sabotage that i do which is really strange you know i've noticed it after auditioning quite a few for quite a few things now like and also that the 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 echelon of people that I'm up against is greater as well you know like I'm there there yeah. are now people that you see walking out of a room and you're like oh I'm against oh 
okay, yep. And then that sort of, you know, I mean, as as great as it, you know, as, as much bravado and as much sort of self-esteem that I sort of portray on the outside, I am still the 17-year-old, 18-year-old who, you know, is trying to, to, to sort of break into the industry. You know, you do once one job ends, it doesn't mean that you're just stepping into the next one. You know, you've got to still work. You've got to keep yeah. working hard to get yourself that next gig. Yeah, nothing's ever given, right? You 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 get it a ends. contract, you're in it, and when that Absolutely. ends, it does end, and you're not guaranteed anything else. And you have to work hard. You have to go back to the drawing board, do your research, make sure that you're preparing for the role, the right role, the right show, and 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 keep no, working on yourself. Otherwise, exactly you know, no one's going to give you know, it. No to No one's you. just going to be like, "Oh, I saw you in that. I loved you. Oh, here's here's the next role." No, you've got to. Once again, you go back to to ground zero again, and you just have to prove yourself at every audition um you know the as much as you can see like yeah. people with you know the the credits that they have on their cvs they're actually probably more of a um of a nervous wreck in an audition room than the people that are first stepping out of their um out of college because they yeah. the expectation is greater than there's expectation um, for some people because they just they have to be able to perform at a at a level that you know that because someone has seen them do something you know that sometimes is detrimental to an audition rather than being you know a, a positive thing in an audition so it is it's such a strange strange world yeah. we're in yeah great and that's really great insight to you know coming from a leading role a, a very iconic role to then having to find work and so if you are listening you know it's the same for everybody out there so don't think it's not because you do still need to work hard and like gareth says go and be confident and know your, your worth and and keep working at that um and that's kind of what you've been doing now obviously covid happened but you're you're back in uh, the audition room and you're looking for that next role um and i'm very excited whatever that may be well, so i mean hopefully you, fingers uh, and toes on stage crossed again. keeping everything crossed keep it all crossed we'll keep it all crossed <laughs> i mean we've <laughs> i'll keep it all crossed um we are coming to the end but quickly uh, we spoke about this amazing career it sounds like all glitz and glamour the whole time but the reality is we know it there are difficult moments um what would you say has been a challenge the most challenging hurdle that you've faced throughout your career and how have you um, overcome that or, or still overcoming that i think for me it's it's that it's knowing my self-worth has been the biggest thing I mean, like it's, it's, it's knowing that I am in the right, you know, before Aladdin hit, I, I kind of went through this thing of like, oh, I don't think I'm really cut out for this anymore. I think I need to, you know, to, to become a real person and, and step away from this sort of fantasy life that I'm living. Like I went through this very, you know, sort of dark inner turmoil that, maybe I'm not good enough to be here and, and things like that. And I think that has been the most challenging thing for me is, is trying to keep all of that at bay and, and know that my self-worth is more than, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to, to keep yourself on the positive side of things when you're, when you're having to battle 
inside your own head. You know, I mean, as, as much as any, you can have it, 10 people tell you, yeah. oh, you sung that great, but it's your own tiny little voice inside your head that goes, nah, that was terrible, or oh, you, you were flat on that note, or you'll hear that louder than you will the 25 people cheering for you right outside. You know, it's, it's I think that has been the most challenging thing. And how do you, how do you tell yourself your self-worth and what have you done to work on that to be able to say, no, actually, no, I am good enough and I just need to keep going. What, what advice would you tell somebody then listening to this and yourself, what you um, to do to do that? I think there's no real answer to that. I think it's, it's more, it's knowing, it's trying to find that self-worth somewhere, whether it be, recording yourself singing and that sometimes is the hardest thing to do is listen to yourself like replay something that you've recorded or watch something that you've done because you'll pick at it instantly but you kind of you know you you have to have the the circle of friends and family around you that are supportive you need this the, the the amazing support network that and if you don't have that in your family or your Mm -hmm. close friends, then find new friends, find people that you, that, that will lift you up and support you in these things. Like sometimes families aren't, you know, I mean, I've been, I was lucky. My family have always sort of supported me in what I've done, but I know that there are people out there that have had to do this hard and had to do it on their own. And, and I've seen them become more resilient in the fact that they just find their new chosen family to to help them through these things. Like you should never have to do things on your own. Um, you should always be able to 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 lean on the ones that yeah. you hold near and dear in order to help you with yourself through it. Yeah, I think it's like you say very important to have a great support system around you um, and be able to be in a a safe environment to share your feelings and get the support they need because this can be a, a, a tough industry to be in. So yeah, I very good advice, you know, find yourself a support system and really, you know, find that good group of people and that you can trust in and confide in yeah. and they can lift you up and, you know, keep telling you you're doing a good job and keep going because sometimes it takes also, a few knocks on the door great, to, to know, get where you want to go. Well. You know, great, um, great mentors, a singing teacher, a dance teacher. It's someone that, you yeah. can look up to to strive to be like or things like that, you know, like give yourself goals to achieve that you can sort of incrementally get to. And then you, once you do that, you go, oh, well, that voice that told me I couldn't do it, well, look, I just did it. You know, you've got to yeah. sort of do this for yourself, which sometimes is yeah. harder than it seems, but having you know, having people that are like-minded around you really helps. Take the experiences and, and learn. Like you say, we look back at our 17 self to where we are now and we're way more confident. Yes, we still always have insecurities and always learn, but it comes with experience and believing in yourself. So, yeah, great. Um, quickly before we go, um, dream role. If there was a dream role that you could play mm. uh, and somebody mm. said, well, here it is, yeah, good what one. would it be? Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be... It, it, it'd have to be Ursula in The Little Mermaid. I mean, 
that I just feel like that's <laughs> amazing. A I could see that role that's gonna somehow happen one day. And quickly to sum up, it's been a fantastic uh, story listening to all of your tales and insights. And I think we could probably be here for hours. Uh, <laughs> um, just keep talking because it's fantastic, and your insight is uh, you know great. If you could tell somebody listening to this that have maybe suffered from insecurities or self worth or just starting out in the industry, and advice that you would give to someone that wants to get into this or is in it and you know is struggling or just needs some um, motivation what would you say to them i remember um a lecturer of ours that I, when i was at uni saying that five percent of five percent of people get into the industry and that for somehow is like stuck with me but the thing is you've got to be stubborn you have to like you you just have to be I think that's the best word I can use, stubborn to, to, to work at what you want to do in life. You know, like don't let, don't let the little things get you sidetracked or, you know, the no's for every, like there's so many no's that are going to come, but there'll be yeses and they'll be amazing and they'll give you such an amazing experience and life choice and, and things. And you'll really know that you're in the right position. Like just be stubborn at life and, and know that you want to do this. That's I think the biggest thing, because that's what I've had to do. I mean, it took, it took that long for me to get to where I need, where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was stubborn. There were so many people that are like, "Mm, you haven't done it yet. Maybe you should move on. And I'm like, Mm, no, maybe you should just move out of my way so I can actually do what I'm going to do. Like, and that's what it comes down to. It it really is just <laughs> you believing that you can do it. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, be stubborn. It will happen. Uh, it might not be the path that you take. Uh, you know, you might need to change the course, uh, but you you oh, know don't change one. the goal. Yes. You might just need to change the I plan. That, I, think I need that on a t-shirt. Gareth, it's been an absolute pleasure. For anyone listening, I am going to uh, share some of Gareth's work if he'll allow me. It's out there on the internet anyway, so you can search for it. Um, but I'll be posting a few of those links uh, and you can see his fabulous work. I also was very lucky that I had him sing at my wedding. So um, I can, I'll, I'll hold on to that claim <laughs> of fame uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, thank you for being such a wonderful friend and what such a fantastic professional with the industry. I know that everyone's going to love listening to these stories and take stuff away and you know if you're lucky to work with gareth you'll thank uh, you you'll see it firsthand so gareth thank you very much thank take you so much and, and if anyone uh, wants thanks to get for joining touch, me on industry you know, i'm on instagram i know i'm not very good on the socials but i'm always here to, to help out with advice if anyone needs it perfect thank you very much gareth take care Thanks again for joining me on Industry Insights with DPDS. It's been a pleasure having you. We will see you next week for our next episode where I'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and all the links will be provided in this podcast. Until then, enjoy your morning, afternoon, or evening. And most of all, stay safe.